0: His name is Heston Blumenthal. He's on a lifetime's mission to delve deeper into the secrets behind our cooking and eating. And now he's invited us along for the ride. My name's Jay Taylor, Heston's TV producer, and your host for this adventure to the centre of food, along with James Winter, our Fat Duck producer. And on today's show, it's grown on every continent on Earth except Antarctica. It's the staple food of more than half the world's population, and it's even used to hold together the Great Wall of China. Today we are exploring rice. From paella to sushi, rice crispies to sake, we're discovering the secrets behind this amazing ingredient. So without further ado, let's meet the man who loves a good paddy, Heston Blumenthal.
1: Oh, nice one, Jay.
0: <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, oh, yes.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to end with rice to see uh, you, to oh, see oh, you. Oh, that's a good uh, one. <laughs> oh, my God. Rice and easy. I'm going to change triple cooked t- trips now to trice-cooked. <laughs> rice cooked chips <laughs> and you stole my thunder because i was going to do the great wall of china oh did you know that as well yeah. i was that start we clearly googled the same places which, which oh, is that what <clears throat> it's starch and in fact we'll come on to it but that's one of the keys to me what i i think about harnessing rice's um uh, ability to be used for so many different things it depends on how much you polish it so all rice is brown uh but brown rice will only last for a short period of time once you've removed the brown cover rice can age for 10 to 30 years and the more outside cover you remove the more proteins and oils you remove and the more starches are left behind so do you want to use the rice for flavor it's it's starch if so it has two different types of starch do you want to use it for a binding hence the great wall of china
0: that's amazing. So it's 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 it is literally a kind of building block almost. I think that ten to thirty well, years I mean, what, shelf yeah. life is amazing.
1: And talking about that, we call DNA the building uh, building block of, of of life and protein. And rice, I think, has something like it's not the exact figure, but thirty percent DNA of human beings.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, rice to see <laughs> more you more in common with rice than <laughs> <from each> me. <laughs> to see <laughs> you, rice. Right. Well, we come on. We'll come back to rice in just a minute. But before that. We've had some correspondences. Thank you to everyone out there who keeps getting in touch with us. We love it, and it makes a big difference to sparking imagination from Heston and leading to places we do not know where. So um, please do keep getting in touch, Heston's podcast at gmail.com and Heston's at Heston's podcast on Instagram. Plus, do us a favour, subscribe while you're there send some comments those kind of things apparently it helps algorithms and stuff and it's nice to have you along for the ride heston we have uh, penny hems has got in touch hello heston Jane, and james i would like to submit an unusual flavor pairing her mum introduced her to it when she was young she doesn't know the origin of it but she thinks it's from the uh, 70s or 80s magazine which sounds about right it's celery cut into sticks and smeared with peanut butter unusual but it works and it always makes her think of her mum uh, which is lovely and she's also suggested marmite on toast with a boiled egg for uh heavenly for umami flavor followers both of which again one of those ones sound completely logical it makes
1: right it's complete sense to mm. me
0: yeah I, I think the peanut
2: butter Celeri one would be great Peanut butter sounds delicious yeah you could just dip your celery yeah. sticks straight in the jar and and that that, that,
1: that, that <laughs> rich sort of egg yolk <laughs> running over yeah. the sort of salty umami marmite yeah seems so I thought I'd, that feels like one
0: I've had right it feels right, like one of those yeah. ones that I must have done that at some point I also like the idea of celery sticks with Nutella basically most things with Nutella would, like, <laughs> would go quite nicely <laughs> little in this world
1: is it Elf the movie the Christmas movie Elf <laughs> So just anything that's got bonbons or sugar or honey syrup is made. (laughs) Maple syrup, it works. The American
0: recipe for breakfast.
2: There was always something about sort of celery and salt, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean you dip your celery stick into salt and you eat it that way. It's 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 one of those ingredients that. I don't know. I always feel it's, it's underexploited, celery. I mean, it's obviously the backbone flavour-wise of many dishes, like risotto, which we might talk about today, but, you know. That's
1: an interesting point, because celery and salt, and you have celery salt you put on eggs. Now, if anyone's ever tried to juice a celery stick or celery sticks, then reduce the juice by a half or three quarters. It is so salty, so celery, I think, contains an awful lot of water and an awful lot of salt. Now, I don't. I, wouldn't imagine I don't contain loads of salt. I just That's think it, interesting, it's huh? interesting. I don't have an answer. I it, it was just expressing a thought.
0: Meanwhile, Daniel Kushner has got in touch. Hello there, Heston, Jane, James. My name's Daniel. I'm from South Africa. Oh, how exciting! I love our South Africa. We've got people from around the world saying hello. In February, I started a two-year program at a culinary school here in Johannesburg. Congratulations, Daniel. Every morning on my way to school and every afternoon, I've been listening to your podcast. It's quite exciting. Oh, I think we're yeah, pottering through that, in the middle yeah, of Johannesburg. Uh, I want to send through an email to thank you for putting out the podcast. I've learned so much from listening to it over the past few months. I've even had many times in class when the chefs asked me a question and I could think back to an episode for the answer. Oh, dear. <laughs> that's a bit worrying. Uh, that's great, <laughs> that's isn't the it? Like especially that. as all our answers
1: are based on very hard scientific researched fact.
0: Exactly, Daniel. Please do look at a book as well.
1: <laughs> he said,
0: "Thank you so much for anything." But while I have your attention, I would like to ask a question. Maybe this is his homework this week. I've always managed to ruin steak for some reasons. No matter what I do, I always overcook it. Occasionally, I'll get it right and have a rare to medium rare piece, but I cannot seem to replicate the results all that often. Any tips for making sure I get the correct doneness consistently? Kind regards, Daniel. Thanks, for that Daniel Heston steaks.
1: Okay, basically get a pan, put it on the heat, full heat, no oil at this stage and just leave it on the full heat for at least five minutes, maybe 10 is even better. If your steak can be at room temperature, that's even better. Then you can season the steak before or not as as you wish, pour some oil in the pan. Put the steak in the oil very quickly after, after you've put the oil in the pan. If not, because the pan is going to be so hot, so it'll be smoking. Put the steak in and flip the steak every 20 seconds maximum. Then you have a, you have a choice. I would suggest a probe, a thermometer. It will take, so from a temperature point of view, blue, a blue steak is about 45 degrees centigrade. A rare steak, this is in the center, it's 50 medium rare 55, uh, medium 60, medium well 65, and well done 70. Now that, when it's smoking in the pan, you need to remove the steak five degrees before you want um, your level of done this. So if you want your steak to be rare 50, take it out of the pan at 45. That's where the probe becomes very handy. You just pop the probe into the, make sure it goes into the middle of the steak, when it gets 45, take it out. But you've you've been flipping the steak. Put the steak on a cake rack, not a plate. Because if you put it on a plate, you will sandwich the heat from the one side of the steak between the steak and the plate. So that will, that will continue to cook. So you put it on a cake rack so there's air around it. If you don't have a probe, um, there is a very old fashioned way of rough, but it's, it's, it's useful enough of telling um, whether a steak is rare or medium or well done. So take your hand. I have my hand. Now, without any tension, put your thumb and forefinger together softly to touch. Then, with your other hand, your other forefinger, touch the the fleshy bit of your hand between your thumb and your forefinger.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Is that, is that technically the Mound of Venus or something? Is that what they call that bit Yeah, your that's hand?
1: That's very grand. Oh, very grand. Sounds a bit <laughs> dodgy and very I mean, grand.
0: I, 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 I might have just made it Mound up. of Venus. Right, touch your Mound of Venus. Something that about. sounds like something from
1: a Cooper <laughs> sort <of> novel. <laughs> 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 so <clears throat> then, remember that texture. So that's more like um, that's more your rare, between your sort of blue to rare steak. Now, put your forefinger and thumb together. But don't don't squeeze. Just put it together. Then touch the same piece. It's slightly harder.
0: Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
1: Now go to the next finger. A bit harder. And now put huh. your little finger and thumb together without pressing, and then you get more well done. So can you, you wow, see great. how your mound of Venus has become. I don't know how you. Do, I don't know how you would explain what's happened to my mound of Venus. I've gone to the doctors. <laughs> 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 it's teacher but, but your steaks come out just right <laughs> Daniel how did
0: you get such a good steak I've been touching my mound of Venus every night Heston told me to do it <laughs> yeah. but
1: then so, so then when the steak is on uh, on the cake on your grill leave it for at least five minutes closer to ten is better and then your sit, cake rack grill your you cake, yes so it's, it's had air um, around it and then serve it that's it it sounds
0: so simple but those little things yeah, be, just those, the, the use of probe will, sounds really interesting
1: the probe will make a or, such a massive difference be brave with the pan but please 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 do not put the pan on the full heat for 10 minutes with oil in it otherwise the oil would ignite the pan won't melt if the pan melted it wouldn't part it wouldn't go through past the health and safety kind of checkpoints and if your gas or your, your induction or your halogen hob or whatever your hob is, it's got sort of one to nine in settings. If it was dangerous, they wouldn't have that. So just put it on, put the pan on, leave it on. But just put the oil in just before you put the steak in. And here's another important point. If you're going to do four steaks... Remember that those steaks, and this is why it's more beneficial for the steaks to be at room temperature. If you take them out of the fridge, they're cold. So if you put four steaks in a smoking hot pan, they will very quickly bring the temperature of the oil in that pan down, and and it won't won't fry so much, it'll start to sweat. So if you think your temperature is not hot enough, take the steaks out and leave leave the oil to actually get hotter again. Does that make sense? That's a good
0: point, actually. I wouldn't have thought of that. The, the volume of meat in there will Makes change a big the temperature, won't it?
1: A really big difference.
0: Thank you, yes. So there you are, Daniel, I hope that helped. Uh, that was really interesting. That I'll be having a go at that tonight. Wonderful, and
1: Daniel. Um, good luck, please. And if yeah. if you set your house on fire, I apologise, <laughs> Yeah, we didn't say a word. If your mound of <laughs> right. Venus burns down. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so now we shall return or enter. The world of rice, and just before we came on air, we were having a conversation where we all realised just how big a subject rice actually is, which I know sounds obvious, but when you start looking into it and reading around it,
1: it's incredible, right? Well, its I mean, there's several thousands of varieties of, uh, of rice, and the history of eating rice or cultivating rice or living with rice, however you want to say it, goes back nearly 10,000 years Probably longer, but I mean, that in terms of the current record book information we have. So, as you said, it's grown everywhere apart from Antarctica. So, you think about all those areas of the world for 10,000 years and all those millions of people and all those varieties of rice and all the forms that rice comes in, as you mentioned, from risotto to Rice Krispies, from curry to, to sake. It is such a massive subject, so I think that 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 this is this conversation about rice is a bit of an overview. Then we can do a podcast on risotto. We could do a podcast on rice crispers. We could do a podcast on sake. <laughs> we could do a, it, it's it's a fascinating subject that something so little, you know, you can argue did we cultivate rice or did rice attract us to cultivate it? So much like, you know, when you have flowers and the pollen attracts bees and birds to pollinate the, the flowers, who discovered who? Who pollinated who? I don't have an answer, but it's an interesting question.
0: So maybe a good starting point then is we all hop inside our little submarine. And Aston, why don't we start with a grain of rice? Take us into what actually is a grain of rice, where it it comes from and what we're seeing inside the thing that we take so much for granted. We use it probably most days when we're cooking, certainly around the world, and don't really pay a great deal of attention to it.
1: Well, basically, you've got rice and wild rice, a bit like chocolate and white chocolate. Wild rice is technically not rice. So let's put that to one side for the moment. Because it doesn't behave differently, its structure is different. So let's take rice. All rice is basically brown rice. And um, over thousands of years, we've uh, human beings have found different ways and um, different um, what's the word levels of of removing the casing of the rice. So think about all rice as being basically brown rice. You remove the casing then you've still got it's not just a grain of rice from the outside to the inside there are different percentages of proteins and fats and starches and there's different starches so there's amylopectin and amylose for example so then you have the question what do i what am i what's the purpose of um what am i making the rice for So how much of the outside layer do I want and how much of the inside layer? So if you take sake, for example, the most expensive sakes remove up to 50 to, well, maybe in the rare cases, up to 70% of the rice because they don't, they want less protein, they want less fat. What they want is the starch. So when they mix the 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 yeast or the fungi or the 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 other ingredient that's going to activate the fermentation process to make the sake They don't want proteins and fats. So you remove all of that If you want to make is that through boiling is that through boiling no, and heating? Oh no, so they the, remove that no this so the removal is, is called polishing You polish the rice now. It's not taking a can of mr. Sheen and uh, a, du- <laughs> a little duster. me you know, too well. To <laughs> <laughs> polish my rice. <laughs> Imagine life is too short, or maybe it's not. Who knows? I um, bet there's someone in the fat <laughs> there who is polishing yeah, individual grains of rice. So that the classic way of polishing rice is you tumble the rice with itself. So you put the rice in a barrel, and I suppose in the olden days you would spin the barrel, probably with a handle or something so the rice then tumbles but imagine a, a, a tumble dryer so the rice is sanding itself down against itself against the other grains of rice
0: and the outside layers just turn into sort of a dust
1: and, and yeah. fall away through the <clears throat> yeah huh. um and then you that you can the important very important thing is when rice is grown in uh, in rice fields where the water comes from so is the water on if it's coming from underground it would naturally have a bubbling effect i mean not i'm not saying you're going to literally see the surface of the water bubbling however in a sort of maybe non-visible level that water is turbulent enough to stop it being stagnant it's very this bit's very important and in parts of italy when they normally around um, milan is a big is a very big um uh, sort of Italian home of rice growing. There's flat fields. So where does the water come from? How does it arrive in the rice fields? If it's not moving enough, they then take some of the water and find a way to pour it in. Like, imagine if you, you know, <laughs> you know that theory that um, water goes down a plug hole in the opposite way in Australia than it does in, in, or in the south, than the north of the world. It's yeah. nonsense. Is it? Same oh, way. I always try that as well. But if you leave the plug in the sink, so let's say you've got the plug on the chain. It's not in the plug hole, but the plug just happens to sit at two o'clock from the plug hole. That will see the movement of the water. If the, if the plug is hanging at four o'clock or six o'clock, all of these things will affect the vortex Of the water going down the, going down the (laughs) the the, the sink. So the movement of the water that the rice is grown in is really really important. Then obviously you've got the harvesting, they then the the polishing. Um, How do they? How do this is a very ignorant question. But the rice itself, the grains of rice, they're grown
0: are they underwater? How how do they harvest? Do they literally pull off grains of rice off the plant? I've never seen anyone harvesting rice. I don't even know what it looks like.
1: That's a good question actually.
0: I wonder if James James, do you, do you, have you? Do you know, do you I don't know. I
1: I, I, I I went. I filmed in Milan with a, with an amazing rice company, but I never went into the physical harvesting. I'm sure there are like um, like picking grapes off a vine. I'm sure there are many ways of of harvesting, of harvesting rice. rice. Yeah.
2: Yes, I mean I'll have, a, I'll have a look, but I'm sure it can be mechanized, and I'm sure a lot of it's still done by people up to their waist in water pulling rice out and, and it's
1: around. actually we talk about the importance of our relationship with food what we don't think about we think about a big bowl of rice as cheap food if that rice has come from um, parts of asia for example there will be families paid a very small amount of money whose whole livelihood depends on them harvesting rice so if the, if the something happens to the water or to the, the weather conditions or something else they might go without their monthly income they might not be able to 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 eat so if you can remember that it gives so much more value to that grain of rice and that bowl of rice as opposed to i'm really hungry i'm going to have a massive bowl of rice i'm just going to waffle it down while i'm watching tv and not even think about it i think it would be a there would be a big difference
0: it's a lot of water as well doesn't it i mean to grow rice takes a lot of water for each grain of rice there's a lot that goes through it and in it just yeah where does that water come from
1: and and, and, and you're and right how it's so thrown it away move? as well yeah
0: i wonder how it's imbued into it as well in terms of you know we talk about the growing of grapes and the difference of the soil conditions and the water that passes through them and the sun and all those things and i wonder if it's similar for for rice if, the, if the, the taste and the flavor of it can change dramatically depending on the water it's grown in and where that's come from yeah
1: i mean you can already see that this uh, we are I, I think we will have several more podcasts on rice because the amount of questions that come uh, that have already arisen over a really what you think is one little grain of rice is actually a universe in itself.
0: Bringing you it back to the sake because you were telling me, so you're tumbling it to get rid of the different outer layers of it and yes. what they do is for that sake, that very expensive one you said, they'd keep doing that and keep doing that until there's only a very small amount of it left right?
1: So well it'll it's, be that's yeah, expensive. It, because they want, and they want, space. When you, make al- when you make alcohol or do make a fermentation, your potential sugars have an effect. Sugars and starches have an effect on that conversion process into alcohol. With rice, you need to add, with grapes, you don't so much. But rice, you, you will need to add some form of fermentation agent, a trigger that they that, that add to the rice, and then it starts to ferment. And basically what that's doing is creating bacteriological activ- activation. So all the little bacteria, think of little bacteria, they're little human beings or little creatures that then start to get activated. They produce gases, and and, and, and all their vibrational energy will have an effect on the sugars, on the... Um, on the aromas, on the potential alcohol, etc, et etc, cetera, et cetera.
0: so in terms of your adventures with rice over the years, do you remember when you first started cooking it in a professional kit in, in one of your kitchens, you actually first started looking at rice
1: uh, when I first started i mean it was way before the fat duck i, I it might have been rice pudding, for example, that might be a nostalgic drive to 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 look at rice pudding but God, In I didn't fact, even think
0: of rice pudding. That's another one, isn't it? Where yeah, you don't it's huge. Think of it.
1: Crab ice cream and crab risotto. Why did I, why crab risotto? And I, I think I was looking at umami. Um, the, 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 the taste of umami and fermented rice has a lot of umami. And in Italian uh, food culture, you would never put rice with parmesan or parmesan with rice in a risotto that was made with seafood. You just don't do it. But it didn't make sense why you didn't do it. I mean, if you don't, it, the only thing that, reason that would make sense to me is, oh, I don't like the taste of that. I don't like it. Okay, fair enough. But as a rule, it's not right or wrong. So I've made a crab risotto with parmesan and I used two types of rice and I I, I I had two types of rice that had been polished to do two different levels so one with the rice that was less polished I wanted the nuttiness from the rice and the rice that was more polished I wanted the starch for it so I made one as a stock and then you what made another one to cook the rice and then I washed that risotto by spreading it out onto a perforated tray and then washing it with the stock that I made for the other grain of rice. And then, I mean, this is bizarre, because I'm sure the uh, you know when people don't have much money in are harvesting rice, they just bore the rice. So it's like I'm making a ridiculous amount of work. part of the story of my life, actually, um, over <laughs> something that is intrinsically really simple. But then I washed the starch off the of the, the rice of the risotto to cool it down because this is in a restaurant. And then that that water that I w- washed or the the rice stock that I poured over the hot risotto to cool it down also washed some of the flavour and the starch from the risotto into a bowl. And then when we served it, I reheated it with that collected uh, collected juice. But the, my whole motivation was why can't you put parmesan with uh, rice in the risotto and seafood in fact crab has an awful lot of umami so does parmesan so the two together made a big impact now for me i wouldn't i wouldn't think about putting parmesan in a rice made with a risotto made with um oysters maybe i wouldn't maybe it works i don't know but it made sense um, it made sense to me to do it with crab that led to the crab ice cream which then led to my discovery of multisensory. My first relationship with rice, do you know where it started? Snap, oh. crackle, and pop as a kid. Oh. Rice crispers. Of course.
0: Of course. I was going to
2: ask about that. That was going to be, yeah, because it's, it's it's a really fascinating thing, rice. There's so many different ways. Obviously, I wondered if Heston had... had I know in your risotto for perfection, yeah. see, perfection cheese, you used a little bit of puffed rice. Yeah. And and yeah, you know.
1: and we. Puff
0: How do they the rice make that? How the do ways. they make Rice Krispies? What is the? Do you know the process of making Rice Krispies? Yeah, you
1: basically need to cook the rice to 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 break it down and make it more moist, and then you've created more that potential or that moisture when fried expands in the rice, huh. and that creates the 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 puffed bubble bit.
2: So you just put it in hot oil or fat? Uh, of yeah, some but sort after
1: after it's cooked. Um, no, not just. You can also dry it. So it's, this, it's a bit like triple cut chips in the sense that with the triple cut chips, uh, I thought, what makes chips go soggy? In fact, it's the, mainly the moisture that's contained in the centre of the chip wants to evaporate, and that evaporation of that moisture then softens the crisp wall of the chip. So you want enough moisture to be able to create potential bubbles but not too much so so you you could in and you're never quite sure because you don't know how much how dried the rice has been it's like lentils or even haricot beans green beans that come from kenya for example some some of these beans might have sat on a runway in 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 nairobi for two or three months they're dried
0: this is one of those things we, you know, we discuss in awe some of these giant food companies. Now, remember, it sounds like a similar thing. If you imagine Rice Krispies, much like when we were talking about tea bags, yeah. the fact is the sheer volume of rice they must have to use for Rice Krispies every single day. However, yeah. they won't be all from the same paddy fields. They might not even be from the same continent every time. No. And yet, they'll, how they'll have to adjust the different temperature levels to make sure it all comes out. Because I think if we gave any of us a bowl of Rice Krispies, you'd know if it was right or wrong you know when you get the the, the value brand yeah, what, you ex- yeah the what you'd
1: expect are they not quite the same though because the box is not the same if if somebody took a value brand and put the real rice crispers in it maybe you'd also think they're not quite the same because you don't have the rice crispers box and something else that i was just thinking about which relates to something you mentioned a few minutes ago how much water is used in the making of rice crispers and what happens to that water where does it come from I mean, these are these are questions that I'm going to go away and start. I might not be doing anything else for the next week. Be obsessed about how much water is used in the in the making of rice and what happens to that water. Is that such a massive waste of water? And if so, does the benefit of of sustenance for human beings from the growing of rice does it affect the amount of water available to people that don't have access to Fresh water, do you see what I mean? I I found out the other day, that and
0: it's very unromantic, but it makes a lot more logical sense, that all bean sprouts, which I always think of a very exotic ingredient, are made in Acton here in London. I was like, really? And yeah, there's big vats. They grow them up in North London, mm-hmm. or Northwest London, and they're growing vats and rats because they need the volume of water to make them, but also they go off so quickly you couldn't transport them from abroad anyway. And it was just this idea of this ingredient I always think of having travelled hundreds of miles to me or actually just made up the road. And it feels, it, it, they grow them in if these you know, big apparently vats.
1: Apparently, white, white croydon, now uh, th- th- this is going to be, I'll miss some bits out of this, I'm sure, because I've just remembered it. There's, a, there's an amazing perfumier called Roger Dove. Been in the business for years, very flamboyant, He's a wonderful man, brilliant perfumier, who told me this story. So if I get it wrong, Roger, then <laughs> don't Sorry, blame Roger. me. But he told me that Croydon was called Croydon because it was uh, something like Roman for crocus. And that was the centre of the UK saffron industry for the perfume making. Croydon and Croydon oh, and saffron you never know james
0: this is another one we'll have to put through the fact oh, oh, filter absolutely. but i think i'm gonna go with absolutely. that go with I, it. I mean croy croydon has never been so glamorous if that's true no i know I, well that's <laughs> what i was gonna say i can't
1: believe it of all the of all the places it you know it's and it's, and it's worth it's it, you know it's almost worth its weight in gold saffron croydon yeah saffron beautiful croydon yeah.
0: <laughs> i remember when we went well once you took me for sushi and you or talk to me and we'll do a separate podcast all about sushi but just the rice aspect of it you were talking about the difference that the temperature you serve sushi in general but also the rice is at can make a huge difference to the way it feels in your mouth and the flavor of it and all aspects to it and i was as you were talking i was thinking the difference between rice pudding versus sushi rice versus risotto rice and that spectrum
1: imagine thai fragrant rice or basmati rice or I mean, there are several thousands of varieties of rice, and some of them... I, I got obsessed, a bit unlike me, with oh, yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> the, the fragrant rice smell. I adore it. And, and I tried to extract it, but it was quite difficult, from pandan leaves.
0: Oh, yeah. I know the smell you're talking oh. about, and it's a
1: really difficult one to get mm, because it yeah. floats away so quickly. It's warm. It's welcoming. It's absolutely pandan. And, and if you... If you can get this, <laughs> I don't even. This sounds really bad. If you can get hold of some pandan leaves, <laughs> just put them in a jug of water for a few days and have it. Have it's beautiful. Pandan leaf, lemongrass, and ginger, for example. But pandan leaf is that smell when you have oh. Thai fragrant rice. I don't know why it is just like a warm blanket. I nearly said a wet. Yeah, warming is the f- thing. Yeah, that's exactly that's a what I'm describing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice little wet blanket. No, war- warming is exactly what the smell is, isn't it? It gets inside you. It's a really comforting yeah. one. I'd love to see yeah. you trying to extract it there.
2: Well I believe that's a molecule called acetylpyroline. Yes. Which both rice and pandan share, yes, isn't it, is. it? And I think that has Some many interesting and complex characteristics which can either be warm and comforting but also, depending on the rice variety, can be mixed with some other volatiles which create some very interesting different flavours, which is part of the charm of different rice varieties. Hmm. When you go looking for the the different subtle nuances of that that aroma is where you have the difference between jasmine and and basmati rice or or plain white rice and brown rice. You know, it's all it's there in different ways and I think that's that's part of the charm of it all when you're working with rice i think you know to to see how you can work with that flavor and, and as you were saying heston get you know ext- ext- extrapolate it and and compound it or work with it and against it is you know is where rice cooking becomes really interesting you know yeah. what
0: rice goes well with i don't want to be all lads lads curry house but chicken do you remember chicken curry rice half and half Half chips, half rice. something magical about that mix. I don't know what <laughs> don't it is, but just...
1: Oh. <laughs> you never had half and half? That I, was, I, it, that I know, was, I know no. of it, but I don't think I've... No, I've never had it. Half and half. Have you
0: never had it? Oh, you got to go to... In, working in the Beeb in, in, in Wales for years, in the BBC club, it was always chicken curry, half and half. And that's what you'd ask for And you'd get half rice, half chips. And the two things together, it's just... I don't know if it's a very Welsh thing, or I don't know, but it's it's brilliant. <laughs> It's the magical mix.
1: I don't I can't argue with that. I, I don't know what to say, Jay. <laughs>
0: it's it's the uh yeah, and apparently here's another fact. Rice has minerals and antioxidants that keep the skin soft and smooth. I should probably eat more rice, shouldn't I? It's it's skin or, or our skin. <laughs> I presume I presume our skin. I read earlier there was there was some uh, something that uh Chinese girls would be taught, would be told to make them eat up all their rice. It was basically for every grain of rice you leave on your plate, will be a, a blemish or scar on your future husband's face, which I think is a brilliant oh <laughs> way to get your kids Never to eat up all heard that. Of that yeah, it's that, amazing, that, isn't that, it? I always
1: find you know, I find that a funny thing that where we're told to eat up our plate of food, like we should be a rubbish bin now don't waste it don't waste it well surely if you're not going to eat your food what why don't you just put it back in the soil put your food in the soil and grow stuff from the soil so you're reusing your food why would you shove it in your bodies so you don't put it in the rubbish bin how much damage has been done to human beings by being told to eat up their food eating through guilt you didn't eat all the vegetables. Have we been oh, put off yeah. by my, me my to eat them? My oh. son's got my daughter. Normally they say my son's got a great appetite. Whoa, yeah. Why? Why? Maybe he's so full of guilt that he doesn't want people to think he didn't like the food. <laughs> You're not allowed to speak to my kids. Uh, another podcast guilt eating, <laughs> eating for I guilt. Talk till uh, the cows well, come home. On well, that just one. before
2: you move, well, just to share a, a personal torment. My my primary school was exactly run by that rule. At lunchtime, you were not allowed out onto the playground You've to play football or whatever game until you, you you cleared your plate. And so basically, everybody had pockets full of beetroot <laughs> and, and, and shoes full of
0: kidney uh, beans. It,
1: made, it, <laughs> made it made them when you can escape, you kick a ball. <laughs> Flaying behind it is like it's the whole vegetable
0: garden. It's the whole, whole industry of people burying it underneath the playground and sort of Be- getting those strings on your trousers' bottoms. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Yeah. I remember my sister, <sighs> my sister once. I actually you know you said this. I've just remembered it. My mum. I think she, it was weekends or treat was breakfast, and for some reason she had an argument with my mum. And I think kids have this thing. It's, it's, I think she might have been five or six, but it's one of the areas where children can have control over their parents, and they know it. He just refused to eat, and then, and then the mum or dad gets gets more uh, frustrated and panicked. And then they try all sorts of things for them to eat the food, and the the child realises they've actually got control now. So no, I'm refusing to eat it. I don't know what my mum said to my sister, but I think it might have been quite threatening. So she, she she went out of the out of the room, and my sister managed to lift up the corner of the carpet and put. That it was basically like half or two thirds of a fried egg on toast under the carpet. No, yeah, that's amazing. How long after (laughs) was it discovered? Didn't go down too well. (laughs) (laughs) maybe there's other, yeah. what about that? That could be some that another just sort of question if anyone's interested, maybe, um, interesting places where you might have hidden your food. (laughs) Outside yeah. of and the dishes swallowing. you hated to eat, yeah, or how long you put it or, in your mouth yes. for, and to look at like a like a hamster yeah. where I'm going to put it in my mouth, I'm not going to swallow, but I'm going to make it look like dogs are brilliant at doing that, aren't they? When they if you if you want to give medication to your dogs, they they're experts at making you think that they've actually swallowed the tablet, and then like an hour later, they it, they managed to keep it <laughs> undissolved. It gets spat out somewhere, and you never know the difference.
0: The low water mark in my childhood was boil in the bag fish, boil in the bag cod. I remember it vividly. I can still see it today. Oh my and god! Being I then findus that.
1: Find oh. that did it. It was. But did they have rice with it? In a
2: parsley sauce. So bad. Yeah, with rice and parsley yeah,
0: there
1: was sauce. Rice.
2: There
0: was rice.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. It's parsley right, it was, sauce. Yes, and oh, it had. Okay. A, it, it, when it, it it came out with this really thick chalky white, because it was so overcooked. I'm yeah. getting
0: PTSD. This is yeah. Off It's off. Oh. Yeah. Where That's did you work so
1: Jay, where did you hide that? Yeah, exactly. That was, that was <laughs> 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 yeah, why, does, why does my game give the plus player not work? Open it up. <laughs> Hang on a second. What, someone's stashed in here?
0: Well on that chaps i'm afraid we've reached the end of our paddy field for today but the thing about this episode is we have opened up so many doors that we want to explore in further episodes because we are going to be doing episodes on curry and sushi and paella and all these a different things because has yeah. a weight of yeah you have a weight of research underneath all of these ones so this one was the one we wanted to open
1: open the door on rice if you look at it's thousands and thousands of years and if you think about how many man hours it's almost def- it defies belief hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions of human being hours in terms of cultivating, uh, maybe maybe dying for, to try, and, to try and protect your area, traveling off the globe to try and live off rice and wheat. I think it's, it's, it's a fascinating, so we're, we're, even with a very impressive potential Nobel Prize level of uh, scientific research. In fact, We're still only going to scratch the surface,
0: Uh, but Croydon's going to come out of it It (laughs) better after our uh, after our podcast. Uh, We are lucky enough; we do now know that we have people all around the world listening to us. So please do let us know about your rice experiences and that you how you cook it. Think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, the yep, Malay. Oh shut up heston uh, there's too many there's there's too many exciting things to discover about rice i still like to know where people hide their food when they're a kids <laughs> yes
0: where you yes. hide your food
1: please do get in touch but for this week james thank
0: you for being there for us for our facts and heston that was a lovely voyage inside rice which we shall return
1: to but for this week thank you ever so much thank you guys really enjoyed that